The New York Giants fell to the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday Night Football. What can we take away from the loss? We're going to break that down for you coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena, P-Train, and I have with me David Turner, former NFL scout, And we are coming to you just literally minutes. We're taping this after the New York Giants falling to the San Francisco 49ers 30 to 12 on Thursday night football. The loss to me, not so much a surprise, but David, I saw a lot of things in this game to be alarmed about on both sides of the ball. We'll talk about all this stuff, but uh, really, you know, I think overall you and I were both kind of hoping for the best expecting the worst i know in my prediction i think i had 33 17 the 49ers winning came close i kind of wish i hadn't but just overall i i just this team i'm not sure what what to make of this team to be honest with you well let's add let's start with the positive that i saw tonight they definitely called more 12 uh more six-man protections they used it out of different sets it wasn't the same set they put tight ends in the backfield. They put guys in motion. They use running backs. They did a lot of different things. So I'm going to get applaud them there because I've been preaching it and I've been asking for it, and we we got that tonight. We did a lot more six-band protections that really – I mean, you can't do every down six-band protection in the NFL. It's just not not feasible. You got you got to have – you know, your the line's got to hold up at some point. But tonight I saw a lot more six-man protection, which I was very encouraged by. And and the use of it in a creative way, like I said, with lining people up different ways, motioning people, keeping people in, you you did feel at times Daniel had a pocket to, to step into and to do some things with, whereas last week against Arizona and week one against, you know, Dallas, we didn't feel that way at all. So, you know, for me, there were positives there. And I'll even give them credit. I mean, let's just talk about 75 out on the edge. I mean, um, Azudu, uh, him and and Neil, they held out fairly well against a very talented edge rushing team. So, again, <clears throat> did we expect them to hold up all night? No. Did they hold up all night? No. But they did a, a really nice job tonight. They did the best they could, honestly. We got a couple holds, one face mask out of 75. But at the same point, I really want to give them a little kudos because versus week one, what we saw to tonight, there was a lot of improvement in play calling protection and the offensive line play together. It was a very, very tough Niner team to block up up front, folks. You know, we saw people running free at Daniel, especially when they're trying to block five and not six. 
but again, if you really watch the intricacies of it, there was improvement there. So I wanted to start there. Yeah, and to your point, only two sacks allowed, only six quarterback hits. But, you know, let me ask you something, David. I mean, the, the Giants offense not able to get a whole lot going. I believe they finished with, I want to say, 100. Let me just double check my numbers here. 150 yards. Um, how much of that do you think they were hampered by the fact that they did some extra max protection there? Or was it just, you know, how the 49ers were playing them, the approach. What do you think was behind the fact that this team just could not get anything going on offense? I, I still don't think Daniel's comfortable with the play calling because there was a couple where I was watching the um, <clears throat> the angle they were getting behind the, the quarterback and showing downfield, and he missed a couple wide open throws that he could have taken. He would have had to load up for, take an extra second to, to, to throw it downfield which, again, could have caused him to get hit or something. And he just checked it down and, you know, was trying to get the ball out quick. I know that was probably a point of emphasis all week, get the ball out quick, just take the check down, live another day, let's get to third and shorts. But there was a couple that they that he didn't take that I was like, man, you, especially when you're down, you got to take that shot. Even if, you know, you, you might get a pass interference call. You might, you know what, if you throw it short or if you overthrow it, at least you're – showing them your willingness to go deep. Um, there was a couple that he didn't. One was later in the game at Hyatt was open on a on a seam route, and he chose to go to Waller underneath, and Waller dropped the ball. So, you know, it was a situation when I saw it, I was like, dang, Hy- Hyatt's wide open. Like, get it to him. Um, you know, and I, and I also think that the coaches are trying to figure out how to utilize all their weapons on offense um being honest i mean hodgins only had one tackle or one target tonight um wandell robinson suited up he had five targets four catches i was encouraged to see that i liked how they were trying to work paris campbell into it um slayton had you know six targets tonight but only three catches um obviously the big disappointment was darren waller with Mm. seven targets and three catches um you know drops at least two drops oh yeah absolutely like it was like Kendarius Tony sent him his gloves or something from the other night. And so oh, usually I text that to one of my friends, my friends who's oh. a Chiefs fan, that he was laughing. He was Ouch. like, oh, my God, I'm dying. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I mean, I, I can't say they have the same size hands, but, geez, they have the yips. They both have the yips. So, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. That, that to me was just the biggest standout tonight was Waller's drops. Um, and I don't, again, I don't think the offense played enough in preseason to know all their pieces and know everybody's role to understand how to utilize all this. This is a very talented offensive team. You guys got to understand, like, I'm, I, and I think you heard me in preseason, I was very excited about all the weapons they have, but they didn't play enough together in preseason to really figure it all out and know how to utilize and use everybody and everybody to know their spacing and everything on the field. So this is still, again, what I don't like to see, and I know you don't like to see either, but it's like they're still trying to figure it out and we're already in season. I mean, this was week three and we're still trying to figure it out. So that bothers me a lot, but I will try to say there were aspects tonight I was encouraged by. And, again, it was great to see Wondell Robinson out there. It was great to see Campbell get more use and Slayton get more targets. These are things. I think Hodgins needs to get worked into the game plan a little bit more. And even Bellinger, like when Waller was starting to struggle, 
I probably would have turned to Bellinger and like, hey, let's let's throw you the ball a little bit more um, and go that route. Yeah, absolutely. How much do you think they missed Saquon Barkley in the offense tonight? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a difference maker. You're definitely going to miss him. You know, the way the, the offense runs, it runs through him. The running game really needs to set the table and, and then everybody eat off of it. We, You know, the play action pass and everything like that is really key. And without him in there tonight, I mean, I think we only ran the ball 11 times. And, you know, that's never going to be keeping a defense at bay. Uh, and, and, you know, they're always going to have their ears pinned back because we – and we threw 33 times. So, you know, it's not like we had a, a bunch of plays. There. It's only 44 plays in a game. And, I mean, for for the other side, I think they had, like, 60 or 71. I think they had 71 plays. So you guys got to understand, like, 71 plays to 44 plays is a big difference in an NFL game. They had 19 more uh, minutes of uh, clock time and everything. So, you know, there was a lot of disparities when you're going to go into the spreadsheet about why we lost this game and how come it was such a big difference, um, especially third down conversions on both sides of the ball. We weren't converting on third down, and they were. So uh, that was huge right there. Um, but without Saquon, again, I don't like how they're trying to use him in the pass game more. That He's not McCaffrey. Like, he's just not that style of back. Let him run the ball, catch a few screens, but rotate in Brita to catch some stuff outside. Brita does a great job with that. You know, we saw Brightwell do a good job tonight when he got called on. Like He had some really nice runs and great catch out, out of the backfield. Two great catches, I think, out of the backfield tonight. So, you know, for me, you got weapons. It gives you a time to rest Saquon during the game in those situations. Um, so I would say, again, coaches just need to figure out everybody's role, rotation, and, you know, work towards uh, a better – cohesiveness going forward with the offense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball. Kind of some mixed results there. It's a lot of good, a lot of bad. We'll talk about that right after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you want to secure tickets to your favorite concert shows and sporting events without the stress, then you need to check out Game Time, the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets right up until the day of the event. With amazing deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. With Game Time, you not only get the lowest prices, you also get a clear image of your sight line in the venue. And they also include event cancellation. And if you happen to find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go ahead and snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Terms apply. And again, that promo code is LOCKONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Hey, Giant fans. So between my work here on the Lachlan Giants podcast and on Giants country and being on site in East Rutherford to bring you all the latest and greatest Giants coverage, I just don't have time during the week to get to the grocery store to make sure that my fridge is filled. 
Luckily, I don't have to, thanks to DoorDash. With DoorDash, I get everything I want when I need it delivered straight to my door. You know, for years, I've trusted DoorDash to also deliver freshly made meals from my favorite restaurants, and they've never let me down. And now that they've added grocery delivery to their offering, it's made my life so much easier, and I'm sure it'll make your life easier as well. DoorDash has thousands of grocery stores to choose from, so you'll find one in your neighborhood that's right for you. And you'll get what you ordered or they will make it right. And you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a no delivery fee on eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Now, for a limited time, you can also get 50% off your first DoorDash order, up to $20 off, when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Traina, P-Train, with former NFL scout David Turner, and we're breaking down the New York Giants breakdown, 30-12 to to the San Francisco 49ers. Again, we kind of figured it might be a loss. We were hoping that maybe the Giants would pull off an upset, and they just couldn't get it done. And, David, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. The tackling was atrocious. They got some pressure early on, and, and then that seemed to go away. I still don't know what the heck Xavier McKinney was doing out there. What is going on with this defense? What is the biggest issue, do you think, right now? The biggest issue right now is playmakers aren't making plays. I mean, let's give some kudos to start, like we did with the offensive line. I mean, we're seeing a heck of an MVP season right now, in my opinion, out of Pinnock. Pinnock is really – he's doing everything for this Giants defense. He's blitzing. He's covering. He's coming off the edge. He's doing a lot for this team. So I'm really enjoying the play of Pinnock. And McFadden, I mean, how how awesome was it to see McFadden come downhill, cover um, McCaffrey out of the backfield, make open field tackles? I mean, we didn't, I didn't see that in preseason, you know. And now all of a sudden here, last game he did a great job, and now he's doing another great job tonight. So I'm I'm so excited about McFadden and Pinnock right now. Like those two for me are are saving the defense from being just garbage. I mean, and and again, our big playmakers, Williams, uh, Lawrence, uh, Thibodeau, you know, like they're not showing up. That front that's supposed to be so tough, so be so so uh, menacing and fierce. They're not they're not imposing their will on any of the first three offenses. You know, the first three offenses have, have pretty much been able to do what they want against this defense and it's not gelled it's not come together it's not what we thought it was going to be in preseason what i thought it was going to be i should say i can't i shouldn't throw you into that but what i thought it was going to be in preseason which was going to be a lot more fearsome up front and you know adding people like uh bobby akuake was going to help the the second tier of this defense we're seeing McFadden and Pinnock really pick up and, you know, they're making some saving grace plays. So the tackling's atrocious. The run defense, we're still not stepping up. And honestly, I didn't like all the chippiness at the end of the game. Like some people were like, oh, that's showing their fight and their grit. To me, it's, it was like pencilet children just, you know, fighting and picking on each other and, you know, showing frustration because they're not playing well. 
versus, you know, actually being men about it and saying, okay, you know, we got our butt whooped today. Like you, you would do in the front yard, like your brother gets the best of you. All right, you got me today. I'm, when I see you again, though, you know, tomorrow's a different day. I'm coming back at you, right? Yeah. Um, you have bad days at work, guys. You have bad days. It's the way it goes. Um, but chippiness at the end of the game to me, just it wasn't – I wasn't excited about that at all. And then, like, you know, and then Simmons, they went and traded for him. They're not – it didn't – they didn't blitz him as much as I was hoping they were going to blitz him. They weren't bringing him off the uh, – they were letting – here's the thing that I saw – a big thing that rang out to me, and maybe when I digest the film, it will be different. This is just right after the game, like you said. So this is an honest reaction to what I saw. Thibodeau, they were bringing boundary side a lot, and they were blitzing him. And so then they were running a lot of screens and things his way to try to slow him down. Once you see that, I would have loved them to put Simmons out there because he's more athletic and put him on the boundary side, rush off the boundary side, and give um, – and give uh, Thibodeau, that uh, that field side to rush off of. Interesting uh, little tweak. And, you know, whatever they, they did or didn't do, not very good. Let me throw a stat at you. This, this one just blows my mind. I mentioned in the previous segment, the Giants had 150 yards total offense. The 49ers, who had 441 yards total offense, 201 of those yards came after the catch. What was going on? I mean, tackling was a mess. I think we can both agree on that. But what else did you see when it came to, you know, the coverage? Again, you're talking about one of the hardest teams to tackle with, you know, Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey and Mitchell and, and, and. I mean, this is a team that's very talented. So I'm not going to absolutely commit suicide here. I'm going to but at the end of the day, the tackling wasn't atrocious. The, you know, they were running through two and three arm tackles at a time. I also, but I'll also say this the referees were calling the game a little bit tight when it came to tackling and stuff, both sides. You know, I just thought they were, they were, throwing some flags that should have stayed in the pocket um, mm-hmm. when it come, came to, like, m- late hits or, you know, pulls and tugs on some jerseys. Like, it's like, come on, you got to let them play. And sometimes a hand slips down and it catches a guy's T-shirt. It's not really impacting his ability to run the route. But the guy's T-shirt's on outside of his pants, which is a uniform violation for this reason. All that stuff's supposed to be tucked in. And they're being really loose on the uniform violations. And I know that sounds like like I'm nitpicking here, but being honest, you get that T-shirt pull a lot of times because you got a sticky glove on and your hand just came down and it pulled it. And boom, now you got a pass interference call. That's why receivers love to wear their shirts outside the jersey like that versus, you know, them being tucked in like they're supposed to. And it keeps those calls from happening. So, you know, it's really in favor of the offense when that stuff happens. And it's both ways, guys and gals. It's not just one way. The uniform violation things really bother me because I was in the league for so long. And that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. It's nitpicky, but it's true. The tackling needs to get better. The coverage is, again, you know, we have a few injuries. I think at halftime we lost uh, one of our DBs and they didn't come back. Um, So, yeah, so – you know, that being said, I mean, obviously, Winks had to make adjustments there. I thought he switched up the zone in the in the red zone a little bit better this week because we've been playing so much man down there, and you could see man beaters uh, in routes and so, especially early in the game. 
Um, but later in the game, we I think we we mixed it up a little bit better, and that's what got them off the field with some field goals versus some touchdowns later in the game for sure. Um, I, again, on defense, we got ten days or whatever till the next game. You know, uh, we really need to just kind of find our attitude, our swagger. Our front's got to take it over and just say, hey, listen, it doesn't matter what the back end does because quarterback's going to be on the back. You know, when your quarterback's on the back, then it doesn't matter because he can't throw the ball. Um, until they have that kind of attitude, we have that kind of talent up front. <coughs> Pardon me. We have that kind of talent up front. But until we have that kind of attitude to deliver, it's just going to be a problem. But how much can Wink do to, to kind of help them find that attitude? Because – Whatever they're doing now, it's not working. And it's a combination of things. I get it. It's also, you know, you got to give credit to the other team for what they're doing to neutralize them. But what are some of the things you think we can do to maybe help them find their mojo again? I've been around a lot of guys from Warren Sapp to Jason Taylor. You know, I was at the Giants when we had OC and Strahan and, all those guys, like we had that tuck, you know. Um, then I was at the Raiders with Warren Sapp and, you know, just great defensive linemen. And it's either you you have it or you don't. You know, Warren Sapp used to say, you know, they don't pay me to play the games. They pay me to practice and lift weights. Because if, I, if they got to pay me to play the games, I'm in the wrong business. Um, so when you say, what can you do to help? It's like you don't need help to play the game. You know, like Randy Moss, none of the greats that I've ever been around, Zach Thomas, none of them needed help to play the game. They love playing the game. They love Sundays. and They love lining up on the field and playing with each other and going for it. Mike Barrow is one of the most passionate players I've ever been around. The hammer, Keith Hamilton. I mean, they just didn't need someone to get them up. I mean, they were players. They wanted to play the game, and they, they had pride in that line. They had pride in what they did at work. You know, so it was like they drew the line in the sand. No coach had to tell them what to do. Um, you know, well, they had to tell them scheme. They had to tell them scheme, but they didn't have to tell them get up for the game and, you know, draw a line in the sand and say, you're not crossing this line. Like, none of them did. That that level, those guys, they, they love to play. Let's go. And, and, again, we have those players. They just have to turn that switch on like they did later in the year last year. You know, they really did. They drew that line, and they said, I'm going to take the t- take the game over. And there were games our defensive line really were unstoppable. I mean, look at Lawrence's season. He had a career season. He got paid, and now he needs to, you know, earn his paycheck each week. Williams has to earn his paycheck every, every week. You know, Thibodeau, I mean, I'm sorry, kid. I mean, this is your second season. You need to string it together and get it going. Like, let's go. You know, um, the learning curve's done. Like, you, it's game three. It was a 17-game season. We got 14 games to go. We're one and two. The defense needs to pick it up, and it's all about pride, and it's all about want to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, coming up next, where do the Giants go from here? 11 days until their next game. We'll talk about where they go, what do they, what they can do, what they can't do, and we'll see if we can't uh, find a silver lining and what's been a very disappointing one and two start for this Giants team. That's coming up right after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry, and best of all, 
you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So what are you waiting for? Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NFL and that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got me, Patricia Trainer, P-Train, with David Turner, former NFL scout, and we are breaking down the Giants' loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Not really unexpected, but still disappointing. Giants are 1-2. and two. They get an 11-day break before they have to host the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Blah, another night game. You know, another primetime game. The Giants just don't do well in primetime. David, you love those home primetimes. You you love those home primetimes. You you know, I love them. I mean, we're recording right now, right after the game, folks. It is 12.30 a.m. And I'm still up recording, but it doesn't matter. You know, we got to do what we got to do here at the podcast. But, David, the roster is what it is at this point. Let's start with the offense. What can this group do better to start, you know, uh, to to start scoring more points? I mean, they were averaging 15.5 points coming into this game. They didn't really help that average. You know, you've got to get at least, I think, 25 if you want to be somewhat competitive and win games. What can this offense do better? And what's its identity? I mean, I, I don't see an identity on this offense. It doesn't have one. I mean, week one was just an atrocious and god awful, and there's nothing, nothing to gain there. That was trash film, you know, and just throw it away. Then the start of the game last week um, was just again was was awful. We got a little rhythm in the second half, but let's be honest. You look at the schedule in the in these these first three games. Being one and two is kind of where we thought, or at least I thought they might be. They might have snuck out that first game is what I was thinking. They might have, you know, surprised Dallas. But with the rain and everything that was happening that night there and then just how bad that offensive line looked and hardly any six-man protection to help Daniel out, um, you know, it it just went downhill from there. This game was never a game I circled that we were going to win. I thought this was going to always be one. It was tough to come out to Arizona, stay out here, and then play a Thursday night game right out, right off the bat with one of the premier teams in the league. That's just hard. So one and two is where I thought we would be. I thought I was hoping for a two and one start, right? Um, but this is this is a this is where we should be. Honestly, the kind of team we are right now and the way we played uh, so far, this is where we sh- this is where we should be. Um, so. You know, if they want to do better, the offense has to run the football and they have to they have to figure out how to use their combination of receivers with Wandell, Campbell, Slayton, Hodgins, uh, Waller. I mean, they got so much over there now to, you know, to me, it's a little too much. It's going to be great if there's injuries, obviously, because you got depth there now. It's awesome. But to feed all those beasts, all the balls that they need to get them and get them in and out and do different packages with them, it's a it's a it's a 
going to take time and uh, to figure out. And Daniel Jones has to be comfortable with him. You, you haven't seen Daniel go to one receiver yet. Like last year, I really felt like the offense started to gel when Hodgins came in and then they started going to him a little bit more. Right. And then, you know, when Bellinger uh, came back from the eye, that helped a little bit. So I thought we got a little bit more rhythm going there. Um, but now I think Hodgins is one of his his comfort zone guys. And we're not trying to target Hodgins hardly at all. Um, you know, so that's something you got to go back and think about. It might not be your most explosive player, but it's the one that your quarterback's most comfortable with. So you might need to run a few more plays, especially early in the game, to just get the quarterback in a rhythm with that player and then start branching out from there. Even though you want to go through Waller, even though you want to go through, you know, Campbell, that's the guy that I felt last year when he came in really started Daniel started really liking him and working with him. So I would try to call more plays. I would say Hodgins needs at least five to six targets a game right away right now, and then start working the other guys in off of that. Um, but the way this offense has got to be is, is run. You got to run the ball. You got to impose your will on the other team. Like you said, the, the Niners had, you know, geez, I want to say they had 310 yards. No, how much they had 141 yards rushing tonight. I mean, you see the good teams run the football and they come out of a game with over 100 yards rushing, not with 29 yards rushing. Okay. So if you want to be one of the elite teams in the league, I know it's sexy to throw the ball all over the yard. It gets all sorts of fantasy points. But if you run the football, you're going to be there in playoff time. And if we don't run the football, we're not going to be there to play time. Do you think and this is going to sound crazy? I know, but I've got to ask it. Do you think the Giants just have so many options that they're trying to feed too many mouths, so to speak, and they're not concentrating on a specific area? The, what they have is enough to like compare it to Kansas City. Okay, where, you know, Patrick Mahomes will come out of a first half throwing to seven different receivers and each receiver has like two or three targets and, you know, everybody's happy. Right. So it's the way it is. And and that's what I think they're trying to do. But see, Kansas City doesn't have a Saquon Barkley and say Saquon is, is a different beast. And so for me, I don't I wouldn't want I would want my running back to come out of the first half with at least with at least 12 touches running the ball and one of the other running backs or two of the other running backs with another five. So like 17 rushes in the first half. And then if we have another 10 plays, divide those five, you know, those attempts to, you know, different players um, and obviously run, running different formations and everything. But for, for me in the first half, if we're not running the ball somewhere around that 17 mark, and we're throwing the ball more than that. Like if it's flip flopped, we're we're really not imposing our will on any kind of defense. We're not tuckering them out. We're not tiring them out, and we're playing into their hands, which is pass rushing us. So for and that's what our offensive line is struggling at. So again, I I would give the boys up front a little bit of a more run game. Um, and yes, I do feel we have a lot of weapons, and they're still trying to figure them out. Like you're saying. Um, that being said. They didn't play enough together in preseason. So that's why they're still figuring it out, and it's week three. Um, and Daniel's not comfortable with everything because not all the pieces were out there together 
at, you know, at any one time in preseason, you know, even when we had that one drive in preseason uh, football, uh, Wandell Robinson was on the, was on the bench. So, you know, for me, it's a situation where, again, they have to play more together. Daniel might have to call some after practice, you know, huddles and just, you know, use the receivers and walk through a play card that maybe they didn't go through in practice that they need to stay after and do another 10 or 12 plays after practice. Just so if they get called in the game, they're familiar, they've run through them again, um, you know, whatever it takes. But for me, our identity on offense really needs to start with that run game and play action pass game. Yeah, it seemed like the coaching staff was so concerned about keeping everybody healthy in the summertime, and they did a good job of it, but then you get into the regular season, and not only does the team look out of sorts, but <clears throat> excuse me, you have injuries popping up. So, you know, I, if that's what they were trying to do at the expense of, you know, building cohesiveness on that offensive side of the ball – I'm sorry. I mean, I I know a couple of years ago I I was all over Joe Judge for doing that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I disagree with with uh, you know with with what Dable was trying to do. I get what he was trying to do, but you know I, I'm sorry. Just right now, nobody's playing really up to the level they should be on the offensive side of the ball. David, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. I don't think the defense yet has an identity. What do they need to do better, and can they fix the problems that they have right now? Is it a scheme tweak? Is it fundamentals? What do you see there that they can do better? You know, I would twist a little bit more up front. That's just me, um, but I know Wink's not a huge twist guy I, from being with him. I enjoy a good twist game up front, especially when you have Simmons and Thibodeau that can get inside on guards and probably create a little mismatch and with their quickness and physicality up front, you know, they can do some stuff there. Williams and uh, Lawrence can um, tie up more blockers and, and free the blitzing linebackers and different things. Um, but that's really not Wink's thing. So if he does it, he does it. But, again, he, he's more um, let guys go win their one-on-one matchups and blitz downhill in different ways and overload a side and bring in the backside and different stuff. He's more of a, you know, flash and deceive type, you know, play caller, which has been very successful for him for many years. Um, I'm just a guy who likes the twists. I like the games up front. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's the way I, I like the defense um for me as far as like the back end goes you know that's just playing together you got to play together to know where they're going to be to trust everybody on their angles i thought we saw some good physicality out of our our safeties tonight i saw i thought there was one call that was just atrocious um you know and and that went against us. And, and again, Dabo lost his head and I was happy that he did because it was, it was a bad call on, on the, on the rest part. And it was, uh, it was just too much hankies on the field for me at all tonight. But that being said, as far as the defense goes, I have to go back to my earlier statement where it is want to, they have to want to get together. Um, you know, like Ray Lewis used to host every, you know, was it Thursday night football night? They would go over his house, and before the game kicked off, they would watch film together away from the complex, and they would sit there and watch, you know, the games and stuff together. Zach Thomas used to do something very similar with Sam Madison and those guys down in Miami. I remember them talking about it. One of our caterers that we had at the facility always catered it for Zach because he wasn't cooking for him, you know. Um, but 
it was a situation where again these guys have to become like brothers it's got to be like a fraternity house you gotta you gotta want to work and live and be together and breathe together and um there is no work-life balance when it comes to football so throw that out the door okay if you don't love it i used to sleep in the office okay i literally would sleep in the office mondays and tuesday nights i mean it, you, there is no work-life balance. If you're looking for work-life balance during the season, you're in the wrong business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the Giants one and two, kind of what what we expected. You know, maybe not at the way they got to one and two. We certainly didn't expect the ugliness of, you know, the first six quarters of football play, and this one, you know, getting away from them. Um, they've got 11 days to heal up. They've got 11 days to figure this out, get back on track because you never know what you're going to get with the Seattle Seahawks there. They could be a tough customer. David, final thoughts on this. Do you think the giants can get this turned around or are there just too many deficiencies or issues for this coaching staff to maybe overcome? No, I, I, I honestly think, like I said, I took some positives out of tonight. Uh, the play calling, the protection calls on offense were positives. Plays out of individuals on defense were positive. You know, our safety play was positive to me. You know, our tackling was atrocious. Okay. Our offensive line needs to get better to be able to protect with five so we can run the whole gambit of offense. Our play calling needs to run the football more. There are things that are all fixable. These are all fixable things. But they have to get in the in the office and have an honest conversation with each other, and especially the men in the mirror. You know, it's like what season do we want going forward? Because yes, we're right where we thought we would be. We're one and two. Okay. Now that's who we are. Who do we want to be next? This is who we are. Are we happy with who we are? Because then that's just going to lead to a, an eight and nine season. Okay. Or do we want to be better? Do we want to improve? Do we want to draw the line in the sand for the, the defense? Does the offense want to run the dang football and, and impose our will on people? Do we? Who do we want to be? That's what these 11 days are all about for the Giants because it's who do we want to be for the remainder of the season. There was a very tough first three games schedule-wise, travel-wise. All that stuff was very tough. I mean, you got to understand those are very tough things to overcome. But now – you got to go look in the mirror and say, who do we want to be the rest of the way? We got 14 more games. There's a lot of football to be played. Who do we want to become? Well, hopefully we'll get some positive answers over the next few weeks. Certainly a lot for the coaching staff to consider. The players as well. They need to look in the mirror and just kind of figure this all out. Hopefully they will. David, as always, appreciate you hopping on with me, especially this late. Well, it's not late for you. It's late <laughs> for me, obviously. But I appreciate you, you hopping on with me. We will do this again um, after the yet another night game, <laughs> probably in, a, in, a, in a, over a week, 11 days. Uh, Giant fans, thank you so much for tuning in to the Lockdown Giants podcast. We appreciate you. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. We'll have a, a user-suggested topic on Monday, so hope you will tune in for that. For David Turner, I'm Patricia Trena. Have a great weekend, everybody.